Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on us as we come and sit under your word. Have mercy on our lives, have mercy on our hearts. We pray that you would help us and that you would fill us and that you would lead and guide us. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, last week we talked about uh, Jesus' great confession, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, it's Peter's great confession of Jesus actually. And since then they've moved on, the the, the transfiguration has happened on uh, the big mountain and Jesus has cast out the demon out of a boy and and now they're on their way. And they're on their way, uh, they're on the move and they're passing through Galilee. And... Galilee has Jesus, been Jesus' centre of operations. It's been such an important place. I mean, Jesus grew up there. He called most of the disciples from Galilee. He taught great crowds of people. But Galilee today, as you can see it on the map there, Galilee has a more sombre tone today. It has a much more sombre tone. It's, a, it's quite um, downcast as Jesus passes through because he's passing through and he's on his way somewhere, isn't he? Where's he going? He's on his way to Jerusalem. And you know what's going to be at Jerusalem? It's going to be a cross. And we learnt last week that Jesus has been focusing on teaching his disciples. Nothing's changed here. Uh, This is actually the second of three passion predictions that Jesus makes in Mark's Gospel. The first one was uh, last week. Peter makes the great confession on behalf of all of the disciples and Jesus talks about uh, suffering and death. The same thing today and it will happen again in Mark chapter 10. This one's a little bit different in that uh, the focus of it, but just listen. Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. They did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. And the significant movement from last week is that last week you remember it was going to be the, the chief priests and the scribes and the, and the, and the Pharisees. They were the, they were the ones, the religious leaders that were going to um, kill Jesus. Today it's a bit different. It's going to be betrayed into the hands of men. And what's important is that this isn't some random fact that you read in the Gospel. It's actually an essential part of what Jesus is trying to communicate to his disciples, to his learners. It's essential to God's mission in the world. It's essential to Jesus' ministry, and I'm talking about including the cross, but everything else that he does as well. And it's very much today about your ministry as disciples of Jesus. This applies to you uh, profoundly. But to the disciples being betrayed into the hands of men, Friends, that's not even on their radar. That is not on their radar. They're much more ambitious people than that. And they actually respond to Jesus in quite a strange way. In verse 32 they say that they they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. We hear that and think maybe that's wonderful news. We know that's the gospel, don't we? We know that's the gospel, that Jesus died for us and that he would rise again on the third day. His actual disciples who are walking with him and who are travelling with him, not only do they not understand, but they're afraid to ask him about it. What's with that? 
The truth is it's likely that they've got other plans for Jesus and themselves that are quite threatened by Jesus talking about betrayal and death, even resurrection. I mean, people in the ancient world did believe in resurrection. Only the Sadducees, you remember, didn't believe in resurrection, but the Pharisees and general Jews did believe in a resurrection, but it was a general resurrection at the end of time. Right? Not necessarily die and on the third day rise again. But the thing is that these, these disciples have their hearts set on their own secret plans. Here's why. Verse 33, And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, Jesus asked them, What were you discussing on the way? Verse 34, But they kept silent. For on the way, they'd argued with one another about who was the greatest. I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. You remember uh, the mother of James and John comes to Jesus. Grant that my sons may sit on your left and on your right or on your right and your left in your kingdom. Who's the greatest? Who's going to get the prize? And their silence when Jesus asked them is like a wordless confession. It's like a wordless confession. It's like you get busted for something and you don't want to actually come clean about what you've done and so you just stand there like a stunned mullet, completely quiet. You don't say anything. You're actually confessing. You know you're caught and the other person can see it written all over your face. But you don't say anything. It's a wordless confession and their silence reads like that and they're shamed. I mean, these people, they're present with Jesus physically but spiritually they're absolutely miles away. You might even say that they're moving in a completely different direction to what Jesus is moving in. And what you're seeing here today is messianic politics. You're seeing messianic politics. Think about the tactics that you've seen in Australian politics since 2007 because that's only about as far back as I can remember. I was at the SEM in 2007 and I remember the slogan that came up on TV. Who came, who came into the Prime Ministership that year? K. Rudd, right? And I remember because I remember one of my fellow students was a member of the Labor Party and he had this T-shirt that he would wear that had Kevin 07 written on it. And uh, oh. Anyway, he wore, this, he wore this shirt and I think that's probably quite an appropriate picture of... Australian politics, right? doesn't matter what, what party you support. Here's the smiling face and then here's the gun in the shadows, right? So think about it. Kevin Rudd became the Australian Prime Minister in 2007 and then in more recent times, some people thought a different direction might be a better idea, right? And so those people were looking for a different Messiah. They were looking for a different Saviour, a leader would, that would take them exactly where they wanted to go. And so who came into power? Julia. Ambition, human ambition, led to a betrayal and a new leader came to power. And then Kevin made another go for it recently, didn't he? And then it's not just, it's not just the ALP. You think of who was, we've had, uh, who's before um, Tony Abbott? Did we, was it Malcolm Turnbull before Tony Abbott? Someone else got kicked out? It happens in all of the, all sides, right? the flowers and the smile but there's a betrayal going on beneath and this is how Jesus' own disciples are looking at him 
right? They're like, this Caesar, Jesus, bring in this Davidic kingdom already. Bring it in, Jesus. You're our Messiah. We, we know where we want to go. We want to go to the place of power and authority. We want, we want the high seats in the house. So you need to, I don't know, conjure up the military. You need to drive out Rome. We want you to actually bring in the kingdom, this big Davidic kingdom again. Use your military might. You do it. But actually get on with it that we might have positions of status again. And you can see by that that no wonder they're afraid of Jesus talking about being killed and betrayed. It just doesn't fit with the plan. Imagine that. Imagine that Jesus' own disciples are so ambitious for their own personal gain and to get ahead that they miss the true shape of discipleship. Human ambition, and I'm talking about human ambition and desires that are not grounded in the will of God can very quickly, in, the, in a heartbeat, turn to betrayal and sometimes in very, very ugly ways. And this is the hard stuff that we often don't like to talk about but Jesus is taking us through. This is tough because not only have you seen it amongst the leaders of our country, you're seeing it happen in the Islamic community as they try and establish peace and order to stop violent riots and to bring about peace and restore a measure of trust with Australians, if you open the newspaper, not a lot of trust there. You've read about sinful ambition and lust that has led to great betrayals in the church. Great betrayals that have ruined, in many degrees, uh, the church's trust in the community. You know, there are bishops in Melbourne, when I was in the Anglican church, who, who just can't go out in Melbourne City with their collars in lest they get spat on and beaten up because of what people have read in the paper and what they know is happening. I've been abused here in Cairns for that very reason because people know I am a pastor. Okay, so what has happened, that betrayal that people have gone through has actually meant that there's been a breakdown of trust in the community for the church and you've even seen shamed church leaders going to jail for it. And I know that as I look out across the faces here today, many of you will have experienced very personal betrayals of your own. And you know the depth of pain. You know what it means to go through a marriage affair. You know what it means to deal with internet addiction. You know what it means to suffer under the the weight of gambling, abusive power, broken trust, the pain of family sacrificed on the altar of human ambition and desire. Parents and children are are driven apart because of that. The human ambitions and human desires stand opposed to the way of the Gospel here? May it never be. May it never be. But as we look at Jesus' disciples today, it's clear no one is immune. Human ambition grounded in the sinful desires of the human heart advanced to betrayal of Jesus and the Gospel in a heartbeat. And you heard about that. Where's my Bible? You heard about that as Rita read from James chapter 3. James 3.13. What does it say? What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? 
You want something but don't get it. You kill and covet but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. What did Jesus say in our theme verse today? 31b, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men and those hands of betrayal are human hands and they will kill him and after three days he will rise. So yes, it is a fact of life that you see betrayal going on around you. Yes, it is a fact of life that you experience betrayal in your own life. Yes, it was your sin and my sin that betrayed Jesus Christ into the hands of humanity. It was our sin that nailed the Messiah to the cross. And this picture is a scene from Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ. And you see a hand holding a massive nail there that is driven into Jesus. And that hand holding the nail, you may or may not know, is the hand of Mel Gibson himself. He held that nail in that movie. And in an interview he said, yes, it was me, I did it. I nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. That's why my hand is in there. I'm responsible. All of humanity is responsible. But do you know what he said? I'm first and foremost culpable of this. My hand is there. You're right. I nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. And that is so important. Because if there's going to be any kind of supernatural forgiveness, then there has to be a cross. There has to be nails driven through the Saviour's hands. Have you thought about that? If Jesus Christ went the way of forcing a Davidic kingdom to please the ambitions of his disciples, if he did what every person wanted in their hearts to avoid the suffering, to avoid the cross, they would have missed out on everything. And so would you and so would I. Betrayal into the hands of men is the only way to the cross where you and I receive the supernatural forgiveness of the Father. And we receive that supernatural forgiveness through Christ crucified, applied to you again and again and again by the power of the Holy Spirit. One more thing about betrayal today because there's a whole other level here that we might not see. This is one of those times, you know, I don't like to talk about Greek words but this one needs to be bold, italicised and double underlined. It really does, this word betrayal because the Father, God the Father is actually present in this word even though his name isn't mentioned. Because when this word betrayal also means that Jesus was betrayed, it also means Jesus was handed over into the hands of men, that he was delivered into the hands of humanity. Who delivered the Son into the hands of humanity? It was your Father. My Father It was Jesus' Father. He is one who was handed over. And so it reads that the Father handed over his only Son to be killed and then to rise on the third day, just like that hymn, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. It says, It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. 
And the words of the hymn also declare how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he would give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. You know, the disciples, they don't understand what Jesus is saying. It makes them afraid and yet it's the best news that they, you, me, the community here in Cairns could ever hear, ever. And this gives shape to your life and your understanding about what true greatness really is. The disciples had it a bit messed up, didn't they? They were speaking with maybe Plato, ancient philosopher, He said this, and maybe you can relate to it, I don't know. How can a man be happy if he has to serve someone? That's what he said. How can a man or how can a man or a woman, how can a person be happy if they have to serve someone? And the world, they may want to run with that, but it can't comprehend in that statement the Father's joy as Jesus came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, for you, and do it willingly out of love. It doesn't get that. It can't comprehend that biblical servanthood is about your personal devotion to the Lord. It's not about you being some kind of slave or labour for hire. Your service flows out of your devotion to God. And so the cross brings a whole new way of life and thinking about life. So my prayer for all of us today is that the cross of Jesus would fill our understanding and give content to our self-identity with the grace and truth of the gospel. Think about that. And that the gratitude of our hearts would lead us to lay aside ungodly desires and human ambition for the greatness of cross-shaped service. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ who willingly was betrayed into our hands and faced death and did it with a willing heart and a willing spirit for the joy of what was set before him in our salvation. We thank you and we praise you for his resurrection that has given us, made us righteous and justified in your sight. And so we pray with the song that the things of this world would grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and your grace. We pray for the Spirit's power at work in our hearts that out of gratitude we would serve others, especially those seen as least and that we would do it out of devotion for you and not see ourselves as some slave or labour for hire. Thank you for the grace that you've shown us for carrying all of our sins and for cleansing us through the cross. Fill our hearts with your spirit, we pray, and help us to meditate and chew on the fact that you were betrayed into the hands of men, that you were killed, and that on the third day you rose again. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Friends, may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and your minds safe in Christ Jesus, our Lord and our precious Saviour. Amen.